Hello, and welcome to The Consumer VC. I am your host, Mike Elb, and on this show, we talk about the world of venture capital and innovation in both consumer technology and consumer products. If you're enjoying this content, you could subscribe to my newsletter, theconsumervc.substack.com, to get each new episode and more consumer news delivered straight to your inbox. Our guest today is Matteo Franceschetti, founder and CEO of 8sleep. 8sleep is the number one smart mattress designed to help you fall asleep faster and stay asleep. In this episode, you'll learn about how Matteo thinks about sleep, why we should all be optimizing for it, habits that help us get to sleep, and also where 8sleep comes into play. We also talk about his vision, expanding beyond sleep. This is truly a fascinating conversation. Without further ado, here's Mateo. Mateo, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. So I'd love to start from the very beginning. What got you interested in studying sleep? Yeah, I was the, the typical entrepreneur working long hours. I used to be a, an athlete when I was a teenager. I was playing tennis tournaments. And so at a certain point, I started looking into sleep. Why do I have to sleep eight hours? So I started reading a bunch of medical papers, and I didn't really understand why it's really eight hours. There is no real reason, except that there was no technology trying to enhancing our time uh, to recover. And so I started wondering why Elon Musk is taking me to Mars, but I still spend a third of my life on a piece of dumb phone. Why, 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 why there is no technology in, in a third of my life? Let's say I live 90 years. I spend 30 years asleep on a piece of dumb phone. That was not making sense to me. Got it. So once you realize, okay, I want to enhance, you know, this dumb foam or, you know, create a new type of mattress, where did you just start when it came to product discovery? Yeah. So I started doing two things. I started reading medical papers and research about, okay, what can help you sleep better? And second, I started talking to customers. So we did uh, hundreds of customer interviews. And the first thing we learn uh, that you now the big elephant in the room is temperature. So one of the biggest things that impacts your sleep quality is temperature. In particular, partners, they tend to have different temperature preferences. And second, temperature is not a fixed element during the night. So your body temperature changes during the night. Did you start with temperature and cooling or was it right now then focus more towards like providing you with analytics or like what was the first kind of part that you decided to focus on? So we decided to start more on the analytics side, even if we knew that cooling was the game changer. We didn't have the money to build it. And anyway, to build it in an effective way, you need the data first. So we decided to focus on the data, start collecting data, developing the sensors and the hardware, start proving you know, demand and product market fit. And once we would have that, we would raise to then build the real cooling and heating technology. And that is what we were able to achieve. Got it. And what were maybe like the steps that you realized, hey, there's some type of validation, whether it's for potential customers, because obviously there's huge R&D expenses to make 8sleep from the very beginning. What was maybe the initial thought that you there was maybe some excitement over 8sleep and that you could actually build this out into a real business? Yeah. So first we started with a, a pajama party. We invited friends uh, to the house of one of my co-founders. So we built a prototype in the garage in San Francisco. Then we create this pajama party. We invite six friends 
And uh, before the end of the evening, one of the friends gave us a check, which was actually the first check in the company as an, in, as an investor. There was no company at the time. It was just a prototype. Then after that, the second validation was um, an Indiegogo campaign. So we did a crowdfunding campaign where we offered this first product that was able to make any bad smart with our first technology that was about IoT connection and, and data tracking. We sold 8,000 units in pre-orders. Uh, I think at the time we were something like the 16th largest Indiegogo campaign in history in technology. Then the next validation was being admitted to YC. Obviously, it's pretty hard to get into Y Combinator. You know, it's really like probably every six to nine months, a, a sort of little step in validation. What was some of the learnings that you had getting into YC and going through that whole accelerator? Yeah, I still consider YC for us one of the greatest experiences. It really shaped our mind. We really focus on the customer. So really talking to customer, understanding what they wanted, and also on simplifying things. So try to avoid the... Uh, BS or features that are not needed go straight to the point. What is the minimum viable product? Ship it and start learning. When you got straight to the point, minimum viable product, I've had investors on the show that stay away from investing in hardware or anything tech enabled just because it's so freaking hard to produce. A million things can go wrong. I'd love to just have you share how did you approach your supply chain and what were maybe some of the hurdles that you had to go through? Let me tell you a story about that. So it's after YC, we are trying to figure out you know, how to start manufacturing and, and supply chain in China. Things are not happening in China. So one day I go to my wife and I'm saying, I'm going to China to fix it. And she says, oh, cool. When do you go? Tomorrow. She says, oh, wow. And she says, and when do you come back? I say, once I have fixed it. And she says, how long is it going to take? I say, I don't know, but I have to fix it. Okay. So bottom line, I left for a couple of months living in China and um, putting together a part of the team that then uh, is still today uh, with us. Wow. That's amazing. So as you said before, temperature is obviously the big part of having, of maybe optimizing your sleep or getting the right amount of sleep. What is the ideal temperature for sleep? And what are some of the metrics that you measure or one should be thinking about in order to, to have a great sleep? Yeah. So the important thing no one talks about is there is no one fixed temperature for the night. So when you hear people saying, oh, you should sleep at 68 degrees, that's wrong. The reason is your body temperature changes during the day and during the night. It's part of the, of your circadian rhythm, right? And so 68 degrees might be right for one hour, but it's not going to be right for eight hours. And so temperature needs to change. You need to get in a bed that you like, that is comfortable. You might prefer it colder or warmer. For sure, it shouldn't be too cold because otherwise your heart rate accelerates to warm up your extremities and then you don't fall asleep. Then as soon as you fall asleep, it should cool down because in the first part of the night, you will tend to have more deep sleep. And in the second part of the night, it should warm up a little bit because your body naturally warms up in the second part of the night to prepare to wake up, which if you think is the same thing if you go back 3,000 years ago and you think of our no ancestors, no, the, the night was starting and they were going to bed after no, the, the sunset. The temperature drops in the first part of the night and then around 4 or 5 a.m. it starts warming up because this, the sun is coming back. So is that you curve that 
so we are not really reinventing the wheel. It's part of our biological functioning. We just enhance it through technology. What was your early fundraising strategy? Like, what were some of like the biggest hangups from investors um, for Eight Sleep, and maybe how were you able to convince investors to invest? So, one of the things I always say is, you no, know, fundraising is a statistical game. You need to be ready to get ninety-nine no's and one yes, and so you just need to go through volume. And so it's like uh, almost business development. And as a CEO, it, you shouldn't get discouraged. It's part of the game, right? Seriously, 99 no's, one yes. Uh, it, can, it can easily happen. Maybe if you are lucky, you have four yes out of 100. That obviously depends. Different times, different companies hide. What happened for us was a family and friends round uh, that was a very, you know, in the very early days. Then after YC was one of those moments where there was a lot of hype around us. And so we really raised five, six million dollars at YC Demo Day in a, in a day or two days, right? So there was the, the counter rule where you can raise quickly a lot of money from great investors. Then after that, the CVSA was tough. It was the moment where hardware was something most of the investors didn't want to touch. There were a lot of companies in hardware going out of business, startups. But then we were able to raise from Cosla Ventures. And with that money, we built the pod, which is our current technology with the cooling. And after that, we were able to raise from Funders Fund and many others, right? We also just announced uh, that we raised money from SoftBank. How did you think about what channels you should be selling in distribution? I know prior to COVID, you also had uh, people could try out their product in your showrooms, but I would just love to know how you think about, is it always going to be direct to consumer, uh, the model, or just how are you thinking about it? Yeah, it's something we're exploring and testing. Obviously, D2C, if you think of us like a peloton of sleep, obviously, D2C will always be a big channel. Then other options will be uh, to potentially expand our retail stores. As, as you were saying, we had them. We had two. But then COVID, with COVID, we decided to stop them. And we might reopen them. And then potentially some retailers. We are quite selective on the type of retailers we want because of our audience, right? We are really the sleep fitness company. So we are not the type of product that you would find in a old school mattress store with a lot of just their boring mattresses. We are more, again, a type of technology that you could find in a fitness store. What was the reaction or how did COVID affect Eight Sleep? All in all, obviously, outside now what's happening in the world. So I just don't cover that. For us specifically as a business, um, it was good. It was first a forcing function to become uh, much more critical about our unit economics. So to improve the business from a unit economic and financial standpoint. And second, uh, because of that, uh, we were able to leverage more word of mouth that now is a big part of our revenue. And so we are growing extremely fast uh, in an extremely efficient way. So bottom line, it was really good. Are you finding that customers are pretty comfortable or potential customers are pretty comfortable buying online when they aren't able to try out the product in store, that they're pretty comfortable with purchasing an eight sleep online? So our conversion rate keeps going up, which is really good. And I think uh, the more we grow, the more goes up. And I think the reason is connected to your question is for a product like ours, they want evidence from what we call secondary voices that they can trust us. Obviously, they have 100 nights free trial, right? So, okay, I get it. If I don't like it, I can send it back for free within 100 days. 
that's fine. But the most important thing to pull the trigger is to see other people that say that their experience has been good. And that is where we focus and that is where a lot of our success is coming from. If you go on Twitter, you will see dozens of people per day talking about their experience with eight sleep. How are you thinking about building a community? Just thinking about Peloton, for example, you can see maybe other people's stats, what other people are kind of working out with. Are you thinking about a similar kind of community functionality with Eight Sleep? Yeah, I think there is. So to a certain degree, we already have it. So we have a, a private Facebook group right now with some of selected beta users. I think there is an opportunity there because the thing we are completely changing is the perception of sleep. Sleep is not a waste of time and an obligation. You need to be intentional about your sleep in the same way you go to the gym, you go to bed, in the same way you try to go five times, I don't know, a week for an hour. Every day you go and you try to sleep seven to nine hours. It's part of your health. It's part of being fit. And if you do it well, you should be proud because you're doing something good for yourself. When do you think about building a team? and also your own day. How do you ensure, since you are a company that focuses on sleep, that maybe all your employees are making sure that they're getting eight hours sleep at night? I would just be kind of curious in terms of your approach to that as a leader. Yeah, so I think sleep, we have eight values. And one of the eight is we are everyday athletes. And uh, so there is this definition of everyday athletes that comes from, from my background when I used to be an athlete as a teenager, right? And it's really important to me that you're self-aware of how you feel. Right. If that means sleeping more, if that means training, meditating, taking care of your nutrition, if you are an athlete, you need to take care of yourself. Otherwise, you will not perform. And so that is something that matters a lot to us as an organization. Got it. Who was your target audience originally? I think originally when we started, it was more the early tech adopter, IoT, passionate. Now it's different, right? It's right now is the Peloton customer, the Tonal, the Mirror, the Tempo customer or is also the Aura customer and the Whoop customer. There is no one right now in the world. So all these companies are focused on fitness, right? And they have this large adoption. But there is no one talking to these people from a sleep perspective, helping them to improve their sleep. And so that is who we are. That is why they call us the Peloton of Sleep, right? We are the equivalent. And uh, we have your back while you're asleep to make sure that you wake up fully recharged then achieve all that you like and love in your personal and professional life. How do you think about KPIs? What are the kind of performance metrics that people that use your product really should care about? And how did you go about even identifying what those KPIs are? It's really simple at the end of the day is how much do we improve their sleep? They're the only company in the world that improves your sleep, right? You fall asleep faster with our product. You get more deep, more REM, less cost and turns, less wake up, so more restful sleep. No other one can do it. They can share data and they can give you some coaching or advice about what you should be doing. But in our case, we do the job for you. While you're asleep, right now we change temperature to maximize your sleep performance. In the future, we will control other environmental factors to maximize sleep performance. Apart from an eight sleep bed, and of course, the body temperature um, cooling or heating, were there kind of other aspects that you also think about that could influence uh, sleep? Yes, there are a bunch. So the first one is routine. So what you were saying, going to bed at the same time and more than anything, waking up at the same time, also during the weekend is extremely important. Second, uh, in my case, uh, my lights, they switch uh, to orange. I have uh, a Philips U lights and they start dimming down every 30 minutes, starting like at 7.30, 8 p.m. Third, alcohol has a very negative impact on your sleep quality. 
So you shouldn't drink or you should stop drinking a couple of hours before. There is plenty of medical evidence that your HR will go up, your HRV will go down. So less restful sleep. Another factor obviously is coffee. You should stop drinking coffee eight to 10 hours before going to bed um, or that might have an impact on your ability to fall asleep. Temperature in the bed, obviously, is game changer. That will help you fall asleep faster and get more restful sleep. Another thing I do is um, uh, usually before dinner, I take a, a shower where I keep switching between hot and cold. I call it a thermal shock that helps me relax uh, and then fall asleep. And then for some people, um, usually once a week, I take things like melatonin or CBD. I'm still testing that, and so I don't have hard numbers yet of if and how much they help, but I'm testing that as well. How much has your sleep just improved since developing your product, um, 8Sleep? I'm just kind of curious, just your own personal, just personally. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I don't know, probably across the board, I would call it a 20-30% improvement. What we see with our users in general is, I think they fall asleep 15% faster, 15-20% faster. They just 40% less toss and turns, 30% less wake-ups. And if you go publicly on Twitter, you will see a lot of them reporting somewhere between 20 and 40% more deep sleep tracked by Aura or Roop. So it's not even us saying it, it's just them showing that through thermal regulation, uh, these people are getting more deep sleep. That's great. That's great. Were there any surprises from your intuition that you found from the data when you started analyzing? I mean, we didn't know that we'd have such a big impact in particular on wake-ups and toss and turns. I mean, 30 40% is a pretty big deal. So there we were quite surprised. The other thing we were expecting, but it has been confirmed, is close to 50% of the couples, they have different temperature preferences. And so we are really helping two partners in the same bed because the temperature can be different for each side of the bed. What's the biggest part about sleep? that you feel is maybe most misunderstood by people? I think the whole length. Our vision is, can we compress sleep? That means, is there a world where you could sleep only six hours and get more rest than when you were sleeping eight hours? And I think that is possible through technology. If you think honestly about sleep, nothing changed for the past three, four, five thousand years, right? We, in, in the past, maybe 5,000 years ago, people were lay, lying down over a piece of rock and waking up years, you know, hours later. Today, we do the same, and instead, then a rock is a piece of dumb foam. But there is nothing around us helping our body to recover faster. And so if you think just statistically, in terms of technology, gaining a 25% improvement is not that big of a deal. And that is what we want to achieve. The bottom line is oversimplified, right? You get you spend 50% of your night in light sleep, sometimes 60, but call it 50%. And the other 50, usually 40 or less, is deep sleep and REM. So we don't want to touch deep and REM. Those are extremely important. Our whole hypothesis is you don't need all that time in light sleep. Light sleep is just an inefficient um, action of your body to then really transition and get the right amount of deep and REM. And so what if we could cut the light sleep in half? That is how you gain two hours. What are some of the ways that you're thinking about in order to cut that light speed in half? Temperature is the first one, right? Um, then light, noise, and potentially oxygen. I think you're the first company that I've had on that is based out of Miami. Are you going to stay there long term, do you think? Would love to kind of also just hear your thoughts about the fascinating startup ecosystem that's really been developing quite quickly. 
Yeah, so right now as a company, we are remote first. We decided to become remote in April. At that point, there was no point for me to stay in New York, right? I love outdoor activities. I love to play tennis, do sports, and I like a nicer weather. And so my wife and I, we decided to, to come here. Actually, it was a big bet at the time because there was not all this hype. So we were contrarian and lucky probably at the same time, which is pretty great. Um, the ecosystem here is... I mean, it's great. I mean, if I didn't have to work, I could meet tech people, dozens of tech people every single day. Unfortunately, I have to work and so I'm closing in my small office at home most of the time. But there is an insane amount of people, great quality. And first it was the mayor driving, that and a lot of investors and now a lot of great operators that are coming here to move their companies or start companies. I know as we spoke a little bit before, SoftBank just came in with a $100 million effort as part of their opportunity fund. What has it been like receiving a capital injection in the company and how do you plan to use the money? There are a couple of things, three things, you know, hiring obviously is uh, the foundational and then how do we accelerate even further our growth? And third, um, probably even more important is how do we double down on uh, product? How do we build uh, more cutting-edge technology that will enhance our technological mode in the space? So those are really the three drivers of our um, uh, use of proceeds. And yeah, there will be more news soon about that as well. That's awesome. That's really exciting. And on the R&D side with building a more technological mode, is that all about decreasing that 50% light sleep? Is that how you're thinking about in terms of how to actually increase your moat? Yeah, even more simplified is really how do we improve your sleep even further? That is what customers expect from us, okay? Now you are improving it X, how can you improve it to X, right? That is how they think. And I think that is a very clear marketing story where everyone would pay for better sleep. They just need to have evidence. Totally. And if everything goes right and everything seems to be going right, but what is like Eight Sleep's vision for the next five, 10 years, what can we expect in terms of improvement? There are two things that will happen. One, we will compress your sleep. And second, we will save your life. Compress your sleep, we spoke about that, right? So how can you sleep faster? Saving your life means even if we take it down to six hours, whatever the exact number will be, it's still a lot of time. And so what else can we do for you? And the answer is we want to scan your body while you're asleep to let you know if there is anything about your health or any illness. So what if going to bed was more valuable than going to the doctor? What if this daily habit is comparable to going to the doctor every single day? And then your doctor will have your data. We have so much space. How can we measure more things about what's going on in your body? So it's tying in sleep with almost like preventable healthcare or preventable illness and just looking at very early if you're able to catch things. On that side of thing that in terms of scanning your body, is that something that you've started building so far? Obviously you have the analytics when it comes to analyzing your sleep, but other analytics that you're also thinking about that on the preventable side? Yeah, we are really accurate in terms of heart rate. So we are within one heartbeat compared to a medical grade EKG. And so through heartbeat in the future, we will see arrhythmia, atrial fibrillation. We will be able to know when you have the, the flu before you have the flu. And then also respiration where we can see snoring and sleep apnea. And then there are all the new technologies that we are exploring internally that can really take it to another level. In the next five years, yeah, going to bed, will like going to, to your doctor for a full checkup. That's amazing. 
What's one book that inspired you personally and one book that inspired you professionally? Professionally, Why We Sleep, I think, is something that everyone should read. It's very easy to digest. It's written by Professor Matthew Walker. It tells you, you know, why sleep matters for your longevity, for your health, so for your everyday life. And uh, personally, uh, there is Shoe Dog, the story of Nike. I think it's super inspiring. In general, biographies I love. There is also the Almanac of Naval Ravikant, which I think is a great manual inspiring for principles of life. And I'm reading the book of Johnny Ive right now as we speak. That is really cool. Is is There are a lot of um, stories about Apple and him working with, with Steve Jobs and uh, what was uh, developing uh, all the Apple products. Shoe Dog is by far, in a way, the most frequently on this show. Why We Sleep, we've had a couple other people mention it, but the other two, we haven't yet. So I'm excited to add this to the book list. What is the best piece of advice that you've received? Obviously, I received a lot. They were very tactical based on the specific single moment. At the high level that could apply to everyone, I, I think it's probably more from when I was a kid and, and uh, I know I was doing sport and it was more about, you know, Luck is preparation meets opportunity. And so keep working hard and uh, keep being ready. And at a certain point when the opportunity comes, you will benefit. And I think that applied to my life, right? I come from a small city in, in Italy. From, from the window of my mom's house, I, I see a castle from 1400. And there are walls from 900 around my city. So technology was not really a big piece of my life. I was not even speaking English until when I was 20. And so just you know, keep working hard, keep pushing, and then you will fail or you will hopefully succeed. My final question to you is, what's one piece of advice that you have for founders? Keep going. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And there will be times where things will look pretty bad. Just keep going and, and, and then they will turn around. And the most important thing, at least to me, and is why I like biographies, is that you understand that when there are tough moments, it's not that it's tougher for you than someone else, or it's not that you're unlucky or that things are particularly bad for you. It's just part of the game. Well, Matteo, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for your time. This has been really great uh, chatting with you. No, thank you for having me. And uh, I'm glad I had the opportunity to, to share a bit more about us and sleep. And there you have it. It was such a pleasure chatting with Matteo. Check out 8sleep and you can follow him on Twitter at M underscore Francesca T. I'd love it if you'd write a review on the Apple Podcasts. You're also welcome to follow me, your host, Mike, on Twitter at Mike Gelb, and also follow for episode announcements at ConsumerVC. Thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) 